0: hello everyone happy Wednesday I hope you all are having a great week so far if you're new here my name is Savannah I'm your host of killer instinct thank you so much for joining me today before we get started I'm just gonna ask that you go ahead and quickly just subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already and if you have a moment I would really appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast as well it really gives me good insight as to what you guys are liking not liking what changes I can make and how we can make this even better so as you guys as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode. Today we are talking about the solved murder of Yana Kasion. But before we jump into it, I want to digress to last week's episode where we talked about the unsolved disappearance of Desiree Ferris. And I asked you guys to send in some of your theories, and so I decided to start this episode off. We would go ahead and read one of them. As always, you can always send in your input, theories, feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, any of those things things to my podcast email, which is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. So if you have not listened to last week's episode already, you can go ahead and pause this one, go back, listen to it, and then come join us again in this episode, or you can just skip through this part and then go back and listen to last week's episode after you finish this one. So this theory comes from someone who says, I was initially thinking that Mark had something to do with it and he placed jason in his story to deflect from himself but if this was true why wouldn't jason just talk and tell the police that mark was lying this probably means that both of them had something to do with it but obviously we don't know that what i wanted to know is if the police found any mutual friends on the street that jason allegedly dropped off desiree if they did what do these friends have to say If not, does it mean that Jason was lying and took Desiree somewhere even shadier? This is so confusing and sorry for the long email, it's just hard to pinpoint what happened when we have no idea who's lying and who's telling the truth. I loved this episode especially because I have never heard of the case. End quote. Okay, so a couple things here. First off, never, ever, ever apologize for sending in a long email. I love hearing your guys' theories and thoughts. Second of all, I definitely thought the same thing about where are these possible mutual friends that Jason could have dropped off Desiree with and have police talk to them already. And then it brings me back to the quote that we talked about last week about how the police said that there are certain people that are talking, certain people that aren't talking, and that the authorities aren't releasing everything to the media to keep the integrity of the case. But it makes you wonder for sure, because if Jason is lying, then this is a huge piece of the story that he's not telling the truth about. And if he is telling the truth, then what happened after he dropped Desiree off? So uh, agreed. A lot of inconsistencies, a lot of he said, she said, and a lot of just unknown, uncertain things going on in this case. So thank you so much for writing in. I really appreciate it. And now with that being said, let's just jump right on into today's episode. So today we are diving into one of the craziest cases that I have covered here on Killer Instinct. And when I stumbled across it, I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard of it before and that this wasn't a case that has been talked about very widely across the true crime community. So because of that, I'm very interested to see if you guys have ever heard of this case either. So today we are talking about Blake Leibel and Iana Kasian. And if you've heard of this case, you know how Insane it is, and if you haven't, we're just gonna jump right on into it. So, to understand the full story, we need to back up a little bit and talk about Blake Leibel. Blake Leibel was born on May 8th, 1981, in Toronto, Canada, to his parents Lauren Leibel and Eleanor Leibel. His father, Lauren, was a prominent real estate agent and was also a Canadian Motorsport Hall of Fame inductee. Lauren's father, so that would be Blake's paternal grandfather actually sailed in the 1968 Summer Olympics and then went on to develop homes in the Toronto area. So Lauren ended up following in his father's footsteps in that regard. So his father's side of the family definitely came from wealth. They came from money, and his mother's side of the family was the same way. Eleanor's father was a very, very successful businessman, so all in all, both of Blake's parents came from a very well-made-up background, and they would go on to have Blake as well as Blake's brother, Cody, who is older than Blake by one year. Now, Lauren and Eleanor did end up getting a divorce, and once this happened, Cody went on to live with his father and. Toronto and Blake ended up moving in with his mother. Now, Eleanor ended up passing away in 2011 and after her passing, Blake ended up getting about half of her $12 million estate, so close to $6 million. And when Blake moved in with his mother after his parents separated, it really did cause a strain in him and his father's relationship. It had a very negative impact on their relationship. So, when Eleanor ended up passing away, Blake really didn't have any relationship with his father whatsoever and he definitely was on his own once she died. Blake was described as being a person who was born in the lap of luxury but he was also described as a friendly person and said to be appreciated by those around him. So Blake ended up moving to Hollywood, California in 2004 to begin his career. It was definitely easier for him to get by considering his background. He came from a lot of money so things came pretty easy easy for him and when he moved to Hollywood he ended up getting married to a woman named Amanda Braun and the two of them were married from 2004 to 2015 before he ended up filing for divorce while the two of them were married they ended up having a son together and even though Blake was getting about an $18,000 a month allowance from his inheritance he was also working on an animated series called Spaceballs and I'm not exactly sure what his role was was in this series, whether it was more behind the scenes or not, however, nonetheless, he was involved in some way. He also directed a low budget film called Bald, and along with this, Blake was also working on writing a graphic novel. And this graphic novel is called Syndrome, and it's a book written by Blake Leibel, Daniel Quantz, RJ Ryan, and David Marquez. The book was published on September 7th, 2010. Now, this was a book that Blake was very, very hopeful about. He had dreams of it becoming its own TV show. He saw a very big future for Syndrome. And I want to read to you guys the description of Syndrome. So the description is, quote, when a rogue neuropathologist makes a startling breakthrough, literally isolating the root of all evil in the recesses of the human brain, he'll stop at nothing to advance his theory. With the help of a naive Hollywood actress, a tormented motion picture director, and a condemned serial killer, Dr. Wolf Brunswick launches a bold experiment in the Nevada desert, the outcome of which could transform humanity forever. The Truman Show meets Seven and Syndrome, an inventive original graphic novel hardcover that serves as one of the first titles to be featured under Archaea's new black label line, published in association with fantasy prone, end quote. So to kind of break that down a little bit for you, this book is about a scientist who experiments on a serial killer to help find the cure for evil, and it's a graphic novel. You guys can look it up. It's still out there to the this day. I personally have not read it. I have no desire to read it, but if that is something that sparks your interest, you can certainly look it up and you will find it. So Blake and Amanda ended up getting a divorce in 2015, and Blake divorced Amanda right before she was expecting to give birth to their second child. And not long at all after he filed for divorce, Blake ended up meeting another woman named Iana Kassian. Iana was born on June, January 27th, 1986 to her mother Olga. She was born in the Ukraine and had lived there most of her life and while living in the Ukraine, she studied law and became a prosecutor at the Ukrainian Tax Service. It wasn't until 2014 that Iana ended up coming over to the United States, more specifically Los Angeles, which is where she ended up meeting Blake. Iana moved to America looking for a way to make a better life for herself. So meeting Blake at first, she really did think she found her dream come true. She thought she found her dream guy, a successful wealthy man who came from a very prominent family who could help support and provide for her. So she was very excited when she met Blake and the two of them in the beginning really hit things off and Blake ended up proposing to Iana. And in that same year, 2015, so the same year that Blake filed for a divorce from his father, First wife and met Iana and proposed to her again, Iana found out that she was pregnant. Now when she found out she was having a baby, she was absolutely thrilled. Her mother Olga remembers Iana calling her after she found out saying that her dream of becoming a mom was finally coming true and when she found out she was having a daughter, she couldn't have been any more excited. Now Blake was also very excited. He was excited to become a father again. He was excited to see Iana so excited about becoming a mother but this was where some of their relationship problems really did start and we will get more into what those were as we continue Blake and Iana's daughter was born in early May 2016 and everyone in the family was thrilled about this new addition and Iana was so happy that she was a mother to her daughter Blake also seemed thrilled about his daughter's arrival but around this Time of his daughter's birth, things for Blake really started to unravel, and Iana started to see a different side of Blake that she wasn't used to seeing, and the picture-perfect lifestyle that she had dreamed of was slowly turning into a nightmare. So, several days following his daughter being born, Blake started texting a friend saying that he was concerned for his and his family's safety after learning that his brother Cody had been gambling huge amounts amounts of money away. Cody had a gambling problem and he was gambling away over a million dollars in certain bets against professional gamblers and poker players. These texts that Blake sent showed that Blake was concerned for Cody and he was worried that Cody could have gotten himself involved with Russian mobsters during these gambling matches and the end result could possibly be very violent. So this was a stressor after Blake's daughter was born for sure. However, there was also another part of Blake's life that was causing him stress, and that would be his romantic life and his love life. When Blake met Iana, it was right after he had filed for divorce from his first wife, Amanda. So, at the time, Blake and Amanda were still in the process of finalizing their divorce when Blake's daughter, with Iana was born. Blake and Iana were living together in West Hollywood at the time, but Blake decided that he wanted to add someone else into the mix because he was not satisfied. So, he ended up starting to see another woman, which this woman's name is Constance Fury. So now Blake was dealing with the finalization of his divorce, the birth of his new daughter with his fiance while simultaneously dating other women behind her back. And this secret affair of Blake's didn't last long because in mid-May, 2016, right after his daughter was born, Blake was actually accused of sexual assault by Constance and he ended up getting arrested and Iana was the one that had to bail him out of jail, which you could imagine could create some definite tension in their household. So let's move to May 23rd, 2016. Now this was three weeks following the birth of their daughter and one week following Iana bailing Blake out of jail for a sexual assault accusation. Iana's mother said, around this time, period, she noticed that Blake's behavior towards her daughter was very unsettling. He was extremely possessive of her and in her words, quote, controlled her like a hawk. He wanted her to do everything he wanted, end quote. Blake had actually figured out a way to convince Iana that their three-week-old daughter needed to live with Iana's mother, the baby's grandmother, that way the two of them could focus on their relationship more and he would also do things like threaten to leave her if she didn't agree to sleep with him, which, mind you, she was recovering from a c-section after the birth of her daughter, and he would even go as far as asking Iana if he could leave her for another woman. So, it's clear to say that around this time, Blake's narcissistic behavior was really shining through. He believed that he was above everyone and could have anything he wanted and deserved everything he wanted because he was himself, essentially. His narcissistic behavior and thinking that he needed to have power and control over every situation really started to shine around this time so on may 23rd 2016 iana was out shopping with her mother that day in la olga said that while they were out together iana received several text messages from blake and without giving any context to the situation iana told her mother that she was going to go see blake not knowing that this was the last time she would ever see her mother again Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the U abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. So, on the following day, May 24th, Olga tried multiple times to reach her daughter. However, she never received an answer. This definitely heightened Olga's worries for her daughter's safety considering Blake's behavior. However, when she tried to get the police involved, they weren't really interested at this point and didn't think that anything was wrong. However, Olga, knowing her daughter and knowing in her parental instinct that something was off, she actually went to the apartment that Blake and Iana shared. She ended up standing across the street of their apartment and shouting at Blake to open the door. And according to Olga, she saw Blake walk towards the window of their apartment, shut the window and walk away without ever acknowledging her. Olga's next attempt was to try and get to the authorities to conduct a welfare check on Iana. However, when authorities went to their apartment, neither Iana or Blake answered the door. Authorities tried to lure Blake out of the apartment by pretending to walk away when they were actually hiding close by. However, still no one answered the door and police actually just decided to leave the situation and they ended up leaving the apartment. It wasn't until the 26th of May So three days after anyone had heard from Iana that authorities ended up going back to Blake's apartment, this time breaking in. When authorities broke the door down, they were met with a hallway door in Blake and Iana's apartment that led to the other bedrooms in the apartment. And this hallway door was locked and barricaded. So just to give you a visual, you have the front door that police ended up breaking down. And when they broke this door down, they were met with the second door. A lot of apartments and homes will have this, a door that leads into another section of the house to kind of separate the living area and the sleeping area. So when authorities attempted to open the hallway door, this hallway door was locked and barricaded. And this is when police unhinged the door completely. And when they did this, they saw blood on the floor leading up to the master bedroom. Authorities walked down the hallway and headed towards the master bedroom which was also locked and Blake, who was hiding in the master bedroom, heard what was going on outside and he yelled to the authorities that he wouldn't be coming out of his room and that Iana was not home. Now, after trying to negotiate for Blake to come out of his room, it was ultimately a friend of Blake who was able to convince Blake to come out of his room and we'll talk about who that friend was once we get into the trial. However, once Blake opened the door to to the master, so he was in the master and he opened the door to unlock the door. He was standing there in only his boxers and that is when authorities saw the brutally tortured lifeless body of Iana laying in their master bedroom bed. According to Detective Martindale, who was on the scene at the time, he described Blake's reaction while being placed under arrest as very callous. Detective Martindale said, quote, I pointedly said she's dead in that bed and then Blake looked." at us and goes, quote, well I guess you'll have to find out who did it then, end quote. Now before we talk about the crime scene, let's take a minute and discuss the condition of Iana's body when it was found. Iana's entire scalp was scraped off of her head and her skull had been stripped down to the bone her right ear had been cut off and there were multiple bruises mainly on the left side of her face on her left cheek and her left jaw area she also had a bite mark on her face as well and when authorities initially went into the master bedroom blake was lying in the bed next to iana and her body appeared as if it had been cleaned before the police arrived when searching the bedroom authorities found a bloody razor blade and a knife next to where blake was sitting which is what was assumed to be the weapon used to scalp Iana, and this was after authorities found clumps of dark hair similar to Iana's stuck to the razor. The medical examiner concluded that Iana was actually alive during all of this. It was concluded that she was alive for approximately eight hours following her scalp being removed. Now, as far as the crime scene goes, all throughout the apartment that Blake and Iana shared was blood that matched Iana, and there was DNA all throughout the apartment that belonged to the two of them as well. There was no one else's DNA found in that apartment, which of course is to be expected considering that they both lived there at the time. There was also blood found in the kitchen drain pipe as well as pieces of flesh from Iana's body that was found in the master bedroom behind the mattress and on the floor. In the basement of the apartment complex, authorities discovered 11 discarded trash bags containing bloody sheets and clothes, as well as other body parts that belonged to Iana, such as her ear that had been cut off, and huge chunks of her hair and scalp. An autopsy report was released on September 20th, 2017, listing Iana's cause of death as being blood loss and head trauma. It was found that her blood had been completely drained out of her body. This was a brutal, torturous murder. Iana was tortured for countless hours before succumbing to her injuries. Police obviously arrested Blake right away and a trial date was set. Now, the jury for this trial consisted of eight men and four women, and Blake was being charged with first-degree murder of Iana Kassian, and the trial began in June 2018. Now, the prosecution took a very interesting approach that had a lot of people thinking. Now, the prosecution argued that Blake had mirrored his graphic novel, Syndrome, which again, to give you a brief synopsis, is about a science scientist who experiments on a serial killer to find the cure for evil. So the prosecutors basically argued that this book was used as a blueprint for Iana's murder. So basically saying that Blake used the acts that he wrote about in Syndrome to be performed on Iana as well. Prosecutors also revealed in the trial that Blake had ordered food off of Postmates on several different occasions during the time that Iana was dying, and he instructed the drivers to not knock on the door and just leave the food outside. Now, during the hours leading up to the police breaking down the master bedroom door where Blake was, they were having a standoff, basically, with police on one side of the door and Blake of the other. And I mentioned earlier how it was ultimately a friend of Blake's that ended up luring him out of the bedroom. And this friend was actually his accountant named Stephen Green. Blake had actually called Stephen Green and told him what was going on and told him to come over. And a surveillance footage shows Stephen Green racing through the lobby of the apartment complex before getting into an elevator to go up to Blake's apartment. And Stephen testified in the trial, he said that when he arrived at the apartment, he tried to help police get Blake out of the bedroom, and at one point, Blake asked Stephen to pass him some clothes that were in the living room, which Stephen agreed to do. However, with the authorities being there, they obviously wanted to search the clothes, and when they did this, they found Stephen's passport as well as $4,000 in cash in the clothes that he had asked Stephen to give him. Now as far as motivation goes, the prosecution argued that Blake was jealous of the attention that Iana was giving their newborn daughter. She was paying more attention to their daughter than she was to Blake and this is kind of proven when Blake made Iana or convinced Iana more so to give their daughter to her grandmother so the two of them could work on their relationship. This argument Focused a lot on Blake and Iana's sex life and how Iana would often reject Blake or not be in the mood, or Blake would make an advance and she would not reciprocate it and it would make him very, very angry. And he felt like he wasn't getting the attention he deserved. And he also felt like he wasn't getting that instant satisfaction and that instant gratification in the moment, which in turn made him feel like he was losing all power and all control. And as a narcissist, that's all you want. That's all you care about is power and control. And when Iana would reject him, that would really really caused Blake to have this sense of anger. Now, as far as the defense goes on this trial, Blake's defense attorney tried to say that there was DNA found on the scene of an unknown second male, which this argument did not go very far. And after deliberation in June 2018, so the same month that this trial began, Blake Leibel was convicted of first-degree murder with supplemental charges of torture and mayhem. Blake was given a life sentence in prison with without the possibility of parole. Now, when the judge gave his sentence, Judge Mark Winham said that this case was unusual due to the, quote, savagery, the defendant's profound brutality, and his inconceivable cruelty, end quote. In February, 2019, a California judge ordered Blake to pay the family of Iana $42 $42 million. And as far as Iana's daughter goes, she will grow up without a mother. No matter the $42 million, she will never be able to have her mother back. She will never be able to know her mother. Her mother was taken only three weeks after she was born and she is currently being raised by her maternal grandmother while Blake sits in a California prison where he will stay for the remainder of his life. This case to me is so mind-blowing due to the brutality of it. The fact that Blake had it in him to scalp the mother of his child, to remove her scalp while she was alive, to completely torture her while she was alive. She was alive for eight hours after she was scalped. So you know she put up a fight. She fought for her life. She fought for her daughter and wanting to be a mother for her daughter but ultimately she succumbed to her injuries. So to think of the headspace you have to be in order to do that to someone is a place... I can't comprehend. The argument that Blake was using his book as a blueprint is very very interesting. Again, I haven't read the book. I don't plan on reading the book. I don't want to get inside this guy's mind anymore or give him any sort of recognition. However, to say that he used it as a blueprint is very interesting and it is something that I've never really heard before which is why partially why I found this case to be so intriguing and wanted to share it with you guys because I would love to hear your thoughts on every regarding this case. So I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. You can DM me, you can email me. Again, my email is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. With that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name's Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Again, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it again if you have a moment i would love for you to rate and review killer instinct as well i would love to hear your feedback but thank you so much you guys for tuning in today i will be back next week with a brand new episode and until then have a great rest of your week and stay safe